Hello, this is Travis Koblenz, and welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. What is prayer, and why do so many of us have a hard time spending time in prayer? Today we're talking with Dr. Matt Burford and with Shannon Poe, uh, both of Tactical Faith, and I will be there as well, and we discuss some of these issues about the difficulty of prayer, what is it, and maybe what are some things that we can do to develop a prayer life. This, 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 this is a Let's be honest, talking about our faith, it can get hard sometimes. Sometimes we get caught up in the world, but now the world will have to get caught up in us. We're here to talk about it. We're here to talk about our real faith. We're here to talk about the real God. For unapologetic apologetics everywhere, welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. Welcome back to Tactical Faith Radio. This is Matt Burford. I am here with Dr. Travis and Dr. Shannon Poe. How are y'all guys doing? I'm doing well. I'm not a doctor. Well, if if anybody did you w- say Doctor Shannon Poe, <laughs> I did. I just gave you an honorary okay, doctorate under under Tactical Faith. Yeah. So, uh, not even close. Hey, I've met a lot of PhDs. You are probably smarter than most of them. So uh, I'm glad to have you on board. Travis, of course, is the um, executive director. Shannon is the creative director. And I am the founder. And all three of us are together here uh, today in the what we used to call the Tactical Faith War Room uh, recording. Uh, Enjoy having both of y'all on. What's going on in y'all's lives? I know me and Travis actually just got through with doing... A, our first of three installments at Hunter Street Baptist Church on faith, hope, and love in apologetics. Uh, we had a pretty decent time talking to uh, probably, what, 30 to 40 uh, wonderful people at Hunter Street Baptist Church. Uh, Shannon, what, what are you, what's been going on in your world? Uh, oh, you know, uh, same old, same old, I guess. I guess nobody knows that outside of uh, you, Matt. Uh, driving a bus, substituting... My wife's going to get her master's degree, and I'm just trying to stay, uh, keep from drowning. Well, I mean, in our in our age, you know, we are all around the same age. Our children are somewhat around the same ages. I mean, we live in a pretty complex life, um, our lo- especially with our ch- children's activities. We try to do everything tactical faith right now, volunteer uh, while we have such uh, lives that are pulling us in either direction. I wanted to first talk about that in particular. Did I you a, say why pulling us in either direction? I did. Or lives. Wives and lives. lives. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess that was a Freudian slip. Sorry. Yeah, my Freudian slip is showing. Um, I want to talk about that for a second, though, because I had a really great breakfast with a good friend of Tactical Faith. Uh, his name is Jeremiah Castile. I actually helped uh, create their podcast called uh, Ministeel. And he told me today, this morning, he said, Matt, one of the most precious things that we have is time. And he doesn't feel like that we're devoting enough time to devoting, devoting enough time to our relationship to God. And my pushback to him was, I don't know what that means. I've been hearing that all my life, right? I've been hearing this kind of notion of you need to be spending time in your prayer closet. I've never had a prayer closet. You might have had a prayer closet. I'd never had, but I understand the image um, but and I understand where he's coming from, but why are we not developing our relationship on a daily basis to the point that we need to? Travis. 
I was going to leave that for Shannon to answer. Um, a lazy. I got well. I mean, that's probably not a bad answer for most of us. Um, I think. I wonder if a lot of it's tied tied to the. I remember having people talk to me uh, about the same sort of thing, and they would say. I remember hearing stories about great uh, people who prayed and prayed and prayed, and they would say, whenever I have a busy day, that means I really have to pray more. I have to pray longer. And I always think, yeah, that sounds great. And then I have a busy day, and I'm like, I don't, I don't have time for this. Um, but it seems like that's that's an idea, too. An ex- like what does it mean to develop a relationship with God? Is it simply, I don't know what a prayer closet is exactly. I've heard the term before. I don't know why you have to hide. Um, but, uh, well, I think the main thing was that, uh, a lot of time and, you know, way back when people all basically lived in the same room, right. Uh, someone would, you know, the mother typically would go into a closet to get away from the other children because everybody lived in, I can, I can relate to that. Cause we live in a small house. Not everybody's in the same room. But, you know, you kind of get into the, your prayer closet, shut the door. Like, I remember hearing about, you know, like old Pentecostal tales, like, you know, grandmother or mother was in the closet. And you knew not to bother her because she was in there praying kind of thing. And so I think that I don't know if that's a southern euphemism or not, but that's kind of pretty sure that's where that, that idea comes from. So could we update, and, uh, could we update that to the the bathroom for me yep, the water closet <laughs> I mean, yeah it's the shower for me that's where you go to escape that's where you go to escape nobody bother you yeah I, I, one of the things we talked about this morning though was how your relationship with god should be no different than your relationship with a person it takes time it takes effort uh mm-hmm. especially your close relations like your wives or your children the more time that you spend Sometimes the better the relationship, the deeper the relationship, the muckier it gets. But surely our relationship to God is somewhat wholly different than our relationships with other people too, though, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, one of the things I've noticed, uh, my wife and I are constantly struggling. We've been married over 20 years now, but one of the things that we're constantly struggling against is turning into, um, basically, we're just trying to get things done and make sure none of the kids die or burn the house down or whatever and so we're constantly uh shifting you know okay you're you're on with the kids now i'm on and and we're just passing along information and after it's been like two or three weeks and we realized we haven't said a a personal word to one another i mean it's never been quite that bad but we haven't said it seems like the the personal relationship elements disappear because it's all business 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 and i wonder and and in that the relationship in that kind of situation, the relationship becomes really dry and empty. And it's just about trying to get things done, which is how I've often heard. It seems like when people are talking about prayer, even that my, my, my day's really busy. So they're right. And it's really going to be hard. So I have to spend a lot of time in prayer. Okay. What's the benefit? Like, are you having some sort of business relationship with God to get more stuff? And I'm not saying they are, I'm saying that's the way I would tend to hear what's going on. Even if I didn't think that that's what they were saying, it would be something like, I would feel like, well, then whatever conversation you're having with God must be helping you get your work done. Mm. But that's a dry relationship, right? That's the, the, you know, the relationship with my wife when it's just business. It's not like we're having a romantic time talking about who needs to do, do the dishes. If I do the dishes, it can get romantic. 
but uh, the the sharing of of information and responsibilities does not lead to a developed relationship. And it seems like the way the way we learn about prayer, and I don't want to go on and on about this, but the way we learn about prayer is often like what you see other people do, right? It, when you're in a community group, small group, church, what do you do? You pray for those who are sick. Usually, aunt, my great aunt, on my you know twice removed on my dog whatever has the flu and we want to pray that she'll get better and so it's all that sort of so how do i think maybe one of the issues that we're all that a lot of us wrestle with is we don't really know how to pray and so building a relationship with god through prayer like what do i do do i pray for my friends pray for my family pray for my kids pray for my what else do i pray for you're true. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Riches. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I do that every day. I'll never miss that. Sure. And of course there's been books upon, yeah, go ahead, Shannon. Oh, no, I was just saying that's quite possibly the most cynical description of prayer I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> well, you know me. But I would really expect nothing else from Travis. So. Well, it's not, I mean, that's not, I, I don't, I, I clearly, that's not the right view of prayer. I'm saying I think we we have a tendency to fall into that because if I if I'm speaking nothing but business to my wife, you know, let's we got to get this done. We get eventually she looks at me and says, "Travis, <laughs> yeah, sure." You know, God doesn't seem to do that, right? Now, things happen in my life that well, that drive me. You could say drive me into God's arms, you know. So maybe God is saying it. You know, this is why this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. It's like God's trying to wake us up. Um. And so, you know, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. So the sick go to the doctor. Uh, but it's so easy to fall. It's easy to fall back into that with my wife and even with my kids. So it can be, it's even easier to fall into that with God. Yeah, yeah. I think. And I've noticed when I get with people who, who like Jeremiah, who have an active prayer life, it, it, at least it, it seems that way from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, we were praying in public the other day, which is not something I do a lot. Uh, but he has, he's unashamed about, I mean, the dude will just clasp hands. If you say, Hey, let's pray. And before you know it, he's just verbally talking about the Lord. Um, like he's, there's an expectation of seeing the Lord kind Mm -hmm. of thing, uh, which I respect. Um, but at the same time within, I would say within a minute, I'm already like thinking, what am I doing for lunch? <laughs> well, you know, am I supposed to pick the kids up at one or was it a long day at three? <laughs> and right. for me, that's connected to the busyness of life. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't you agree, Shannon? Like is, have I created a patient disposition that allows prayer to be fully realized in me? And listen, devil's advocate here, it, the worst relationship that you have with another person is still a two-way verbal conversation with God. You're it's for a lot of people and me. It seems like a one-way conversation with just mm-hmm. me calling out into a void, right? I right. mean, I mean that's the reality of it. I mean, your worst relationship with somebody is still a verbal relationship where there's a back and forth with with God. If that's your expectation for prayer, there's not a lot of that going on. In fact, there wasn't a lot of yeah. that. Go, go ahead, Jen. Uh, yeah, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm probably the worst about that now. Um, there was a time like, uh, whenever I was, 
whenever I was in college, Valo and really freshly serving the Lord, you know, <clears throat> we had we had a small prayer group, and I got so tired of of whenever we we would basically that we only had like an hour and a half basically that, and some people would be able to come and go during that hour and a half uh, because I lived pretty close to campus. We had a pretty big group of people praying, but I remember. Um, getting getting frustrated about the idea of just sitting there we're here to pray to god and we we spend an hour talking about all the things that we're going to pray about and then we pray like maybe five minutes about Mm -hmm. the thing that we were going to pray about and so i kind of unilaterally made a rule mainly because it was my house or my little apartment but that we when we would we would we would try to start prayer at a specific time, and if you came in late, that was fine. But just understand that we're praying to God. We're all talking to God. Come in and uh, sit down and just get into the flow. And just if you have something that you want to pray about, well, tell God while we're there, and somebody in the group will will lay hand. You know, we can. We, I didn't make it like a Sunday school prayer time intentionally. I wanted it to break out of that mold because I wanted people to be free whenever they prayed to get up and move around. If somebody was praying about their aunt twice removed and you could see that they were being deeply moved emotionally because it was concerning them, you know, we would get up and we would lay hands on that person. We would pray for that person while they were sitting there, you know, voicing this new request to God that we had never heard before. I think that we waste a lot of time, you know, I guess in our religious kind of, and it's not a knock on anybody necessarily. It's just the the grooves that we have a hard time getting out of. We get in these little kind of religious grooves and we think that that's, we, we, you know, my mom did it like this or we did it like this last Sunday or whatever it is or the last 20 years. And we just kind of keep following in that little rut and we keep going in it. But, you know, I really think that we just need to stay in conversation with God. And whenever we have those times of kind of corporate prayer, man, you gotta, I don't know. I really feel like we should break stereotypes and, I think it helps people to connect with God as well. Whenever you, you get out of those, I guess, get out of those normal paradigms that you're usually working within, and you start to really kind of connect with each other and connect with God, you know. And a lot of times we didn't even have like an opening time of worship. We just, well, I mean, not not formal worship. Sometimes we did. My, my, my roommate at the time, he played guitar, so we would have like a really short, you know, one or two hymns or something like that. But a lot of times we would just, you know, we got into the habit of praising God and extolling him for who he was, who he is, on the offset, and then just continuing to work our way through the through the prayer. You know, I think there was some kind of formula that I had um, that I picked up from uh from, from the Bible, I think, someplace where, you know, you start your prayers with exaltations into the Lord, and then you move into, like, then you move into, you know, another area of your prayer where you're 
you're kind of interceding for other people. And then lastly, you're interceding for yourself. Um, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've kind of thought about those things and, and I'm the worst about it now, just being stuck in those kind of ruts now. But I, I remember having very powerful times of prayer during that time where we could, you know, the presence of God was there with us. It was as if the Holy spirit was there praying along with us and, uh, in a felt kind of way, you know? No, and, and I think that's really important. Uh, is there a difference between prayer and petition? Because we used to make those distinguish. We used to distinguish those two when I was growing well, up. Yeah, I mean, I, I just tend to think about prayer as just kind of communication or communion with God. And the Bible does tell us to, you know, to pray without ceasing. So, I mean, there's this extent where we're supposed to be mindful of God all the time. And I'm sure I'm stealing a little bit of Travis's thunder because he was probably getting to this point. Uh, so, you know, I mean, petition, I guess it's just a different type of conversation with God. It's a different type of prayer. Yeah. So supplication, petition, praise, you know, I guess there's just different ways that we kind of approach God, but I think we forget all the time and I'm probably talking too much now, but I think we forget so much just how, holy God is we we have too much and I, I'm willing to get pushback from either one of you guys on this but I feel like we have too much of a good old boy kind of mentality with our relationship with God he's just a good old bud that's there for me and hmm. I'm there for him and you know we're just we're just pals and uh you know like a good pal he doesn't he doesn't interfere in my life too much and I don't interfere in his life too much but you know we we hang out some, we're good. <laughs> and there, I think that's a kind of Western American view, don't you? I mean, if we lived in a monarchy, we would understand what lordship means. Like when if we were if we were carrying something to the king, we wouldn't act like the king's our buddy. Like we would naturally understand that when I'm bringing something to the king, it could be praise or petition or whatever. It's done with the acknowledgement that this king could kill me at any point in time. So there's going to be a reverence and a fear about it. Uh, there needs to be an aspect of that too, right? I mean, I keep, I don't mean to bring up Jeremiah, but it's just so much on my mind from my conversation with him this morning where he was talking about his time with Bear Bryant, who's a big college football coach. Um, in the college football world, this guy is, was the coach of all coaches. And he said when he would, he had this tower that he would stand on to watch practice on the field. And he said when the, when, when he would see something he didn't like, he would come off the tower, which wasn't often. But he said when he came off to the tower to cone in the field, he said everybody ran. He said, oh, no. he said even the coaches ran. You know, and he said that there was a particular coach, he remembers a buddy of his saying, hey, did you see that coach, like, r outrun us all? And, when it, and he said the coach was telling the players, hey, son, I'm afraid of him too. So when he would come down to their level, Right. Let's use that image. When he would come off the tower and onto their level, everybody was like, oh. and I said, well, were you afraid of him? He goes, oh, no, no, no. I loved him. And I thought, God, what an interesting dynamic. You know, here's a guy that you're afraid of. But he said, you don't understand. I would fight somebody if they said something bad about Bear Bryant. I mean, he was like, he wasn't just my father. I loved the man. Now, it would be interesting to ask him, what would it be like to go to his office? Would you feel like you could go to his office for any issue? I don't think you could. 
but you knew you could tell he loved him. Is is that are we getting closer to what if a yeah. relationship with God should be? Yeah, and I think I think I think this is actually an excellent point. Uh what both of you are making, um which is good because I'm in an organization with you. Um but uh I think, and I think it's part, partly because there's there's a whole element of life that is missing in modern American life, um, a whole element of of things that people used to attend to, right? So if you have something like a monarchy, if you have something like, um, even well, I'll, I'll just I think it's I think honor. I think that's a big part of what what we're missing that we don't know how to give honor to God. We don't. We have these moments in our lives, or people have certain kinds of experiences where honor appears. Like I know, I know quite a few vets, right? Veter veterans, not veterinarians, um, who come back and they just they don't know, they don't know how life. It's almost like life here is miss. It's it's empty of something, and it's partly that that sense that the guy be the guy next to me, and we've had a lot of conversations with uh, with with friends of ours talking about the military, but. Um, that experience, they, they may they may not like the guy that's next to them, but they'll take a bullet for him because that's what, that's the kind of unity that they feel. We wouldn't we wouldn't call it a good we might not call it a good friendship, but there's something else that's almost deeper and stronger there. It's like this is my I am honor bound to this person, and they would do the same thing for me. But it's like we're in a society where there are we have something like. If, if I can put it this way, we have we have uh, the pleasure-seeking life, which is about money, power, or money, you know, and all the things that, uh, all the pleasures that we can get, you know. And then we have this super high ethic where I go into my prayer closet and I pray for 19 hours and I give my money to the poor and so on and so forth. But we don't have anything that binds those two together. This is almost like Lewis's abolition of man, that, that, center, that center bit that he would call spirit. It kind of unifies. It's it doesn't fit precisely with what he's talking about. It's it's actually closer to what Plato's saying in the Republic. But there's a center bit that unifies, that unifies the two. That that gives us the capacity to. So I can be wholly good. If if I were to be wholly good, I would I would spend more time in prayer than I do working, and I would give more money to the poor than what I make for myself, and I would sacrifice. You know, I would be home doing the dishes. I would be changing the kids' diapers, which would be strange since they're too old for that. But I would be, I would be going through all of these. I would just constantly be giving, 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 giving. Uh, if I'm an American, uh, which I am, I'm just going to be trying to make as much money as I can, Netflix binging, playing video games, drinking as much as I can without not, without losing my salvation, whatever the amount that is. Uh, you know, these sorts of things, I'll be living my life that way. And we tend to go back and forth between these two ways of life, right? And then we feel we feel condemned. We feel guilty for not being perfectly ethical. But it's like there's something that's not... It, there's something that, that used to exist that would help tie those realms together. And I think that thing is honor. It ties it together. So do I obey God? Well, if I don't, if I don't understand His holiness in the way that they understood Bear Bryant's I mean, I think it's all right to use the word holy because holy means set apart, right? That man was set apart. And so, and they recognized it. They, they experienced his set apartness. And when he came down to them, it's not like he ceased to be set apart. It's that they were full of, 
they were full of fear and they were attentive and listening. And they weren't just asking him for stuff because you don't do that to someone who's set apart. You don't just ask for stuff. Um, you don't just ask for stuff. Like asking for stuff is part of it, right? That's what a child does to a parent. But it's, I think that there's something in there about honoring God. And we don't know how to do that because we don't, we don't have, a, we talk about honoring God. And honoring God means something like go to church and dress nicely and bow your head when you pray maybe. But those are like, those are scraps left over from a previous age where there, where you would naturally bow your head before someone who is above you. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? You, you would get on your knees before someone who is above you. And so they had a sense of honor, and that sense of honor drove and carried the ethic. Does, it, does that make sense? It, it kind of it, it it gave the ethic strength even when you didn't have the, the will to be ethically good. So our Father who art in heaven establishes who he is, and then what's the next sentence? Holy is your name, or hallowed be thy name. Yeah, hallowed. How consecrated, how different you are from me. Mm-hmm. How wonderful and awesome and magnificent. If Jesus could pray that, you're, you're a holy other, how much more should we do that? Right. Oh, I could see that. Sometimes I think we, because I, I played, uh, I wasn't a good musician, but I, I played a lot. Uh, I played trumpet from high school all the way up until a little bit of, of college. Um, like sometimes when I think about my Christian life, I think of, difference between classical music and, and jazz and I agree uh, for anybody out there who, who knows me though knows I'm not a musician I just play with a bunch of people that were really good at it right and I got to experience what it was like to play in an ensemble both from a jazz point of view and a classical point of view classical was you're not allowed to have any kind of identity you're not really you played a part and you played that part and you had to play it well and there was a certain note you played it you played the pattern a certain way and, mm-hmm. But that was good. Doesn't mean you can't create wonderful music that way. In fact, you create great music that way. But somebody else made it for you. So my prayer life is kind of stuck there, you know, where it's right. it's part of a doesn't mean it can't make something beautiful happen, but it's stunted. It's like there's there's this part where there's no if my relationship with my wife was that way, it would be like we got a book. We have that book that my pastor gave us before we got married and we're working out those points all the time. Right. That's classical music. Right. right. Jazz is different. So jazz is you're coming together to create something. You've been given an idea of what the music sounds like in term. There's parts to the jazz music where it's like classical. You're all going to play this. Don't deviate. But then every once in a while you get to play. Here's the jazz chord. Now ad lib. And as long as you're in the chord, we're all going to play with you and we're all going to enjoy what's unique. Now the relationship has moved into something different. It's still within the confines and the constraints of a musical chord, but you're running in and out of it all the time. You're something, a relationship is happening and it's, it's kind of murky and muddy. And listen, just because you're ad-libbing doesn't mean you're a good (laughs) ad-libber. You actually have to listen to other people do ad-libbing. You have to, the guys that were really good at ad-libbing were those that had the records. They listened to folks they, you know, they could make the pattern their own. I always make the note of saying that that sounds like wisdom, but there's something to that when, w- with our discussion too about a relationship with God. Like, it's fine to stay in the in the classical mode, but are we in this jazz mode of creating this wisdom kind of wonderful new relationship? I'm probably making no sense, but in my head, 
it seems like my prayer life is stunted <laughs> somehow. And I'm, I'm to the point now where I want to listen to other records. So I, for me, hanging around people like Jeremiah Castile or some of the, and especially the other Castiles that are in his family, is a time for me to learn what true relationship with somebody that's a true prayer warrior, somebody that speaks to God when it doesn't seem like the right time to do it. Like for me, especially being a white American Western, like I think a prayer time is, oh, that's on Sunday at eight o'clock. Right. And there's worship times specifically for prayer because yeah. the pastor does it, right? It's always, it's always, if it's the 11 o'clock service, it happens at 1115. Like that's my prayer time. Or, oh, that's right. I do prayer right before I go to bed or right before I eat. That's my prayer time because that's what has been designated for me. That's classical music, right? Jazz is what Jeremiah does when I say, hey, can you pray for me? And he goes, of course, because I'm doing it already, right? I've already made it my own. You know, it doesn't mean he gets to pray to, you know, some, you know, Buddhist God, right? He's still within the constructs and the confines of Orthodox Christian theology, right. but he has made it to where now it's become this unique thing where I'm watching and listening Jer Jeremiah pray, and I'm like, oh, that, this man has a relationship. Does any of that make sense? Maybe I'm going to have yeah. to work on it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're talking about uh, the art metaphor is, is good. Like, you don't want to go full. Like, I think, I think Christians tend to uh, maybe wobble between two extremes. One is you go through the formula, and the other one is just pure spontaneity. Sure. Like if it's the only way to pray and to have it be honest is to be utterly spontaneous. But the problem is spontaneous means it's simply coming from whatever I'm feeling like, which is often not a good, like if I were purely spontaneous with my wife, well, let's not. Sure. I mean, you all know what would probably happen if I were just, I'm just going to relate to my wife however my feelings are at the time. Yeah, you look fat in that dress. I mean, <laughs> I would never... Uh -huh. I, I've never, but no, I mean, <laughs> but, but you like, we, we, we Americans tend to be obsessed with feeling. Sure. And so we can take the jazz, jazz metaphor and go too far. And then we have, you know, this modern art where I, you know, I don't know, I throw paint at a wall and I sell it for a million dollars because sure. that's self-expression. Prayer is not purely about self-expression. It has to, it has to, it's almost like we have these, con these constraints are something that we, that we, f that we should live into, that we should make ourselves conform to, right? That's why Jesus taught how to pray. And that's, you know, Shannon, with your, with your basic structure of you go from here to here to here, but within that, that's what's so good about the jazz, met jazz metaphor, within that you are an individual that God loves and cares for. And so you are not just praying what everyone else prays, right? You, th there's a, there's a point where, where you come out within the within those constraints. Sure. And even in jazz though, you can't play out of the You can't just play chords. whatever you want. Yeah, you yeah. can't play out of the chords of the other ones are because it's just it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. If you could play anything you want. I always felt like that with uh with the band Rush, the guitar solos. <laughs> I just felt like you the guy was just playing random notes. Well now you're gonna no get Dave Jones all over anyway, us because he's wanna... such a Rush fan. Well so. people when I play guitar people said I I sounded like the the guitarist from Rush and I'm like, that's that I don't like that. <laughs> what do you think, Shannon? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, that's, that's good. I, I don't really have anything to add right this second. You're just watching the trailer from the new event for the new Avengers movie, aren't you? I am communicating with somebody in India right now, so. 
<laughs> Thanks for taking tactical faith seriously, Shannon. Yeah, uh, we 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 appreciate it. Uh, but yeah. we all we we're all. I was at, listening. Oh, I know you were. We're all after a uh, a unique, not not a unique, a, a genuine. Again, I'm gonna use the word genuine walk with Christ, but. I, we just don't know what that is. Remember, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't unveil all that, but somebody at one of our things that we did, remember when they walked up, they walked up and they asked, this is all good, but how do I, how do I do this on a daily basis? How do I talk about Jesus in a daily basis? Well, we could say, how do we, ta- how do we pray on a daily basis? Like the way mm-hmm. that they want us to, we've had this discussion with Dale Wallace, um, who's a guy that we know from downtown. He's a lawyer uh, and lawyers pray apparently. Yeah, P R E Y. Yeah, they, different kind of pray. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so how would we, as Christians, if prayer is going to be important, how do we? Uh, how do we? For those of us where that's hard, is it first in order for us to become quote unquote prayer warriors? How do we get there? What are the steps to get there? Is it is it going to reminding us of what prayer is first and foremost, and then moving from there? I mean, how does prayer become natural? I don't know, man. I do think it is a discipline. I mean, I, it's it's different. It's a different kind of relationship than we have with God. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm being kind of religious about it. I don't know, um, but I do think. I don't know. I don't think so. You, you have to be disciplined and be willing to commit ourselves to uh, just to, to spending time with him. It's hard to do that on a daily basis when you're struggling with a job, spending time with your wife, spending time with your children, spending time with some of your friends, spending time with your church, hmm. you know, <clears throat> spending time with TF, uh, doing podcasts, uh, you know, talking to people doing, in India, you know, you're juggling all of your hobbies along with, uh, you know, seeking God. I mean, I think that it's, we have to find some kind of discipline and, um, I'm more than willing to give up Netflix. Uh, there's nothing on there anyway that I really want to watch. I mean, is it really like, like I, I, I sit down and I think, geez, I'm going to watch, uh, what was that stupid Standard Bullock movie, uh, the Bird Cage, the Bird Box, or Bird Bird Speed. I think Bird. You know, it's like, I mean, yeah, I mean, you how, both are dating ourselves. You know, if you spend thirty minutes just seeking God at night instead of sucking on glass, you will probably find your spiritual life grows exponentially. You know, there's just so many distract on top of the distractions that are organic like friends and family and work we we have this art these this set of highly artificial and inorganic distractions hmm. that are speaking to us and vying for our attention all the time and um i don't know maybe we just need to take a bullet to our phones and our tvs you know uh whatever it takes i guess <laughs> Yeah, I think I think there's a number of questions that that can be asked with it because I think I think a lot of people would I, I'm not I'm not sure there's anybody who would disagree with you. I think 
the issue that a lot of people have is, yeah, I realize if I got this, if I got this, and everyone agrees, yeah, this is something that should be done, should be done, should be done. But what's the motivation? And so we can say, yeah, your spiritual life will take off and so on and so forth. But I think a lot of people don't, it's that initial, what gets that initial, and, and maybe this is going down a road we don't want to go down right now, but what is that initial motivation? So we might say something like, if you, if there's a, if there's a beautiful sunset or you're at the Grand Canyon, for example, and I don't know if, if you've seen the Grand Canyon, but it's incredible. It doesn't even look real when you're looking at it. But if you're at the Grand Canyon, you could, it's not hard to stare, right? You could sit there and sort of fall into a meditative state, just kind of watching it and staring at it. And even in that moment, you might have this, this like spontaneous praise of God kind of well up within you. Right. And you know, I, I tend to, I tend to have that happen when I see beautiful things. And so, um, but a lot of people don't feel that kind of motivation naturally for prayer. So, right. Most of the time it's, I'm going to kneel down beside my bed or a couch or in a closet, I guess, or something like that. And I'm going to try to stir up some sort of desire to speak to God. Um, well, this, this is work. <clears throat> the thing that we've been talking about a lot, which is framing our life, you know, putting things in perspective. Lewis, I, I was reading this uh, as you were talking about, he said that uh, his words were prayer had a cosmic shape about it. Whether the prayer is prayed before or after the event, it is known to be prayed before the first human breath. Unlike a film where scenes could be edited in, Lewis suggests, this is an article about Lewis and prayer, suggests that our prayers are seen inside the movement of events unfolding. In other words, it has a cosmic shape. So in other, uh, thinking of our prayers and framing our prayers as Jesus would frame them, which is what? You're in heaven. You're different and wholly different how remarkable and magnificent you are. And then the second one, and then the, then it's further frames it by doing what your kingdom come, your will be done. Mm -hmm. What does your kingdom come mean? It means I desperately desire to be with you. So let's go ahead and establish this thing so that I can be with you. So if you think in terms of cosmic shape, in other words, my petitions and my petitions and my wants and desires, even after an event or before an event doesn't really matter because he's above time, right? So for Lewis, I don't who knows about how he viewed time. We know how he viewed time. You know, was it B or A, Shannon? Which one was Lewis? Was he B? Uh, B is bad. A is A is A plus. Um, <laughs> However you see it, Lewis saw <laughs> the a, per- a theory is a continuous idea of time, and the B theory is like a block, like of a time box. Where right? You have like slices of your life or of time. So basically you have this whole time continuum and you take, you can, you can look. So hypothetically on a B theory of time, time travel is a little more feasible than on an A time, an A theory of time. What I was talking to you about was how we kind of seem to be in this kind of, kind of fault ideologically sound B theory of time in the sense of like as it relates to social media because like everybody wants to live for these quirky little instances in their life and they take a picture of that instance and they post it on Facebook and they try to put or Instagram or Instabook or whatever and they like they make themselves look 
as happy and joyful as possible. And then they, they throw that instant up online. And so then everybody has a, has a sneak peek into that person's instance, <clears throat> that person's kind of snapshot in their life. But outside of that literally less than one second frame of their life, their lives could be falling apart. I can't tell you how many times. I mean, we've all done this. We've all seen this. We, you find out somebody's going through a horrible time, whether it's divorce or, you know, some kind of chemical addiction, or maybe they lose their job because whatever. And you, you instantly say, gee, they looked like they were doing so well. And you're referring to the way that they look online, you know, because of these little snapshots that everybody gets. It's almost like we have the tools to enforce our own social propaganda onto all of our own, all of our friends, you know, and, and people get kind of the wrong idea about what's actually going on in our lives. So, you know, whenever you get behind the veil on any one of these people's lives and, you know, life's a little tougher than that. And it gives everybody this kind of false impression that, well, so-and-so is doing so well. Why aren't, why, why aren't we doing, you know, that well? So, but, I think I think what you're touching on, which I think is really important, which is we think our prayer, even our prayer life, is just a slice of a moment in time, and not part of what Lewis would say. Giving your prayer is giving cosmic shape to events. He said, Lewis said, my free act of prayer contributes to the cosmic shape. The contribution is made in eternity or before all the world, but my consciousness of contributing reaches me at a particular point in this time series. In other words, we tend to think of supplication and petition and all those things as Matt Burford just gave a prayer at 209 on March, whatever this is, like March 14th. But the reality is that my prayer, my relationship with God is actually part of something outside of time. Like it's part of a cosmic whole of God acting within the timeline. It could be at a moment in time where you pray and somebody's healed, or it could be something that's part of just the unfolding of God's kingdom to come. Does that make sense? That it, Why is that important? I think it's important to frame your prayer as a part of a whole instead of one little, like you're saying, Shannon, is we get snippets of these people on Instagram and media at these moments in time, but we don't, we, if we're not in a relationship with them, we don't know really what, how their life is unfolding. And that's murky and muddied and nasty and yucky. Right. And our, and that's how our lives really are. Um, but, but prayer is what Lewis is saying is prayer is this relationship involving somebody that has the image of God and somebody who is God in, you know, the Trinity in the Trinity and your relationships above time and it's unfolding. Right. And your prayer is actually on the backdrop in the part of something greater, which is the cosmic timeline. Can I, I want to throw in another thing too, because this, this is, uh, I think I think what you're kind of saying is that in the prayer, the kingdom is coming. Yeah. The, the prayer is the coming of the kingdom. And so when I say mm. not my will, but yours be done, I'm reflecting or your will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. I'm, I'm echoing Jesus in Gethsemane who is in the act of bringing the kingdom. Mm. Right. Um, but there's also, I, I, I wonder if one of the, one of the issues is that our view of prayer is too narrow. So, Pray, pray without ceasing, first of all, it's just impossible if, if you have to be talking the whole time. Um, but there's something about 
um, moments of time. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, I don't think that's actually the case, right? I don't think pr print. Okay, I guess this is where I get crossed up with you sometimes because I don't know if you're you're like putting it the way that you think everybody else thinks about it, or it's like you're actually thinking about it like this and you're trying to develop a problem. Oh no, I'm. I, I think this is how I think. I don't think everybody thinks this, but I think I think it's sort of so. There's there's always a there's I think there's always a difference between what people say when they're asked and what they're actually thinking. And I think a lot of times we think it's it's like if I'm going to get down and pray, I have to think I have to be saying stuff, right? But that's not actually the case, right? I, I you don't prayer is communion with I God. Don't, I don't think so. Yeah, and so like I'm just thinking, you know, just yesterday when I was looking at the Book of Habakkuk, right? It was. It was an it was an experience that was beyond just reading the Bible. Like I felt like I was having this whole interaction with God. And I know I know a guy. Um, I, don't, I don't know how much I should say say here, but he was starting to have times of silence in his class at a Christian at a Christian classical school. He was having moments of silence, and he was criticized by the parents for bringing in some some Eastern stuff. And he's like, "This isn't." This is, I mean, the idea of silence before God, I mean, that's, that's in the book of Habakkuk, right? The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Right. And, but, but it's the idea that silence when it, when you're silent, like, think about it, think about the criticism of Eastern meditation. Well, the goal is to empty the mind because when you, in Eastern meditation, and I was taught when I was young, when you empty your mind, you're fighting in demons. So what you have, what do you have to be doing? Your mind has to constantly be going, go, 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 go. Always thinking about something. Think about thinking about i mean and, and there's maybe something there right but but the idea is that yeah I, I do think that there is something categorically different between like uh the way eastern buddhist meditation is yeah uh, I, or, I, you know a lot of eastern kinds of meditation even the ones that have been imported and manipulated and bastardized here in no, america i agree i agree you know, with you. over yeah. and again like i mean like one of the things that always comes in or one of the things that was coming into my mind just now, you know, is the psalmist that, you know, he says, I meditate on your word day and night, you know, but what was it that the psalmist was meditating on? It's not like, I mean, so what, what might he have had access to at the time? He would have had access to the Torah, right? The five books mm -hmm. of Moses. He, uh, he would have been living in the history of, of the kings, probably. Uh, so he most likely wouldn't have had First and Second Samuel. He wasn't meditating on Proverbs, probably. Uh, he he would have maybe maybe he could have been meditating on a, a, an additional group of books like Judges and and Ruth and things like that. Um, you know the law the meditating on the law of God sounds pretty foreign to me. I can much like it's a lot easier for me to meditate on something like Proverbs. But well, you know, taking that in, the thought process is active, but it's not it shouldn't be rushed. You know, I Yeah, think that's that's and that's what that's, I'm talking about. I'm talking about finding moments of of peace and quietness. Which if I if I personally have a problem, it's that St stilling my mind, right? And does that mean emptying my mind? Well, I don't, I'm not sure what it means to empty my mind. And we could go in a long, you know, talk about, you know, Sam Harris's view of meditation, for example, and, uh, and how they, 
you know, there's no self in his view and in the Buddhist view, there is no self. Um, but I think that's, that's more of a product of the way that they're meditating than anyway, that's, that's, I don't know why I went. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, that whenever I remember one of the first world religions, not to get on much of a rabbit trail, but one of the, but I think it's important because we have this kind of different idea about meditation that's being imported into us, imported in from another area, not to say that there's not things that we can't learn from Eastern meditation, but at the same time, I remember reading about Buddhism in college and studying about that particular world religion and 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 learning more about it and thinking, this is just spiritual atheism. They're not really seeking any kind of a higher power. They're just trying to empty themselves right. so that they don't have any kind of crushing desires on their life anymore. And I, think- I mean, that's the way it's always come off to me, and so it seems like a great fit for America because we don't really want to be beholden to a higher power, but we still want this kind of spirituality that kind of goes with that so we can we can get into weird shapes, call it yoga, and say that we're meditating, you know, as opposed to, like, really seeking God, seeking him through his word and, and contemplative exercises, you know? Well, but um, but, but that's, that's, that's the thing I'm trying to get at, right? Because the idea of meditation is not an Eastern idea. That's a worldwide idea, and it's present within, Christ, within the history of Christianity, too. It's, and it is different. It's a different kind of meditation, right? I mean, it's in the Psalms for crying out loud. I meditate upon upon your law, just like you were talking about. But I think the idea is stillness. Like, we are an active culture. Everywhere you go, there's a Alexander Shannara sign, or there's your phone, you know, popping up something, or there's a TV on, or whatever. We're so, we're so, we're always doing, always doing, always doing, always doing. Dead air is terrible. Like if I were, if we were to be silent for five seconds, people would, if they haven't already turned us off, they would turn this off. Right. Because people need constant, like there's a 21 pilot. My, my daughter's a big fan of 21 pilots. There's a 21 pilot song about this, right. About his car radio being stolen and he has to sit in silence and it's horrifying for him. Right. And, uh, that's, that's, I think that's what happens. I remember, I remember when I was in seminary, I'd sit down, I would try to pray, I would get on my knees and I'd pray and I'd try to still my mind and just attend to God and I would immediately fall asleep. Because if I'm not running, I'm dead, right? I'm laying down, not, not dead, but I'm, I'm, I'm out. And because I'm not practiced in being silent before God. Sure. See that was silence. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I almost I, left. I, I, so I'll, I'll I'll leave with this because we're gonna have to wrap up and we'll have to we'll have to f- think about this on our next episode. But hey, I mean, what's the first thing that happened to Abraham whenever he started the covenant with God? God put him in a deep sleep. Uh, yeah, that's good. So, well, it, you know, you imagine crafting. Sometimes we need rest. You imagine crafting mm-hmm. the most beautiful piece of poetry for your wife, spending hours and hours on it. And after you say it to her, like two seconds after she's like, well, that's great. What are we going to order for a restaurant? <laughs> yeah, there's the, you, what you want after spending something like a, something important and genuine and heartfelt is you want kind of a, 
Yeah. Because it's not like she's emptying herself. She's pondering on what, how, you know, hopefully how magnificent whatever it is that you try to do. I mean, (laughs) my wife would be trying to hold back her, her laugh. I mean, well, but at least becoming sincere, but, uh, not the laughter, but the the poetry. (laughs) Right. But for me, it's, there are moments where I hear or I read something that's so awesome that I have to take a second and go that, you know, but it has to be legitimate pause. You know, mm-hmm. there has to be something that's legit where you're taken back by something that's just all, you know, that makes you awestruck. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to leave you with this before we go. Uh, I, I was, I was talking to somebody earlier about what it means to live a rich life. Cause I think that ultimately is what we're trying to do with tactical faith is we're, we're trying to help other people through the life of the mind lead a rich, rich life. My grandmother used to cook uh, coconut cake for me and my brother, southern, old southern coconut cake. And if anybody knows anything about coconut cake, you don't eat it till two days after it's made. Okay. You just don't. Uh, my, my grandmother, I don't know what it was soaked with, uh, but I made the point of saying this to, to my friend Jeremiah this morning, my brother in Christ, that that's the rich life if we want to lead, which is whatever my grandmother would pour on the cake would take time to infuse to the core of the cake. So here at Tactical Faith, we want that kind of richness where the Holy Spirit is infusing in us uh, to such a degree that we are praying without ceasing, that we are uh, we are defending the faith and the hope that we have naturally, that it's, it is coming, it, whatever is coming outside of us, whether it's our tongue or how we act, is really just a representation of the deep richness that we have within so if you have any questions, we're trying to do that in the state of Alabama, but hopefully in beyond, you can go to or you can go to tacticalfaith.com, um, which is a, you know a great website that Shannon has put up and creates and keeps updated. We have a couple of new uh, pod, uh, podcasts, I guess, from the last couple of weeks. We have a couple of articles, right, Shannon, um, that both Travis yeah. and our and our new writer, staff writer, Jason has. Oh, we please ask you to come to Tactical Faith. We can't do this on our own. If you live in the state of Alabama and you would like to be a part of what we do, please communicate with us through the website. I'm at matt at tacticalfaith.com. Uh, we have Shannon. Is it shannon.poe at tacticalfaith.com? And then Travis. Yeah, I don't know that how, 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 how much we ought to throw our, our emails out over the podcast. Well, my I, social security number is. I just did. And I'm not editing it out because I have the power to do so. So, Shannon, I can even put your address out there if I wanted to because that's the kind of power I wield. So, all right. Well, thank you so much for coming, both of y'all. I really enjoyed it. And we will check you all next time.